Searching for just the right job? Whether you're looking for full-time, part-time, or seasonal work, you can get started today. Amazon Jobs offer the whole package with great pay and flexible shifts that allow you to choose when and how much you work. Find a warehouse close to home and discover the role that works for you. To get your application started for an hourly job, go to Amazon.com slash apply. That's Amazon.com slash apply. Amazon is proud to be an equal opportunity employer. Welcome to the New Heights Show on Education. I'm Pamela Clark, founder and director of the New Heights Educational Group. And I'm here with David Smith, the founder of Silicon Valley High School, who has helped us get these podcasts produced and delivered to you. Yes, Pamela, when we saw the great things that you and your army of volunteers were achieving at New Heights, we wanted to get involved. We're happy to work with you to leverage the internet and make quality education accessible and affordable to everyone, everywhere. Thank you, David. We appreciate Silicon Valley High School helping us to get these podcasts out to the hundreds of thousands of listeners from all over the world. So I hope you enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to the New Heights Show on Education, Disability Edition. I'm your host, Erica Hansen. So last week, well, we we sort of finished up our discussion on insurance and all of that and how that affects things. Um, I'd like to move toward another discussion about... Um, the stigma that people with mental illness sometimes get placed on them. Right now, you might be struggling through your classes or even failing them. You might be worried that you may not finish high school. There might have even been a thought that you may not be smart enough. Well, the New Heights Educational Group begs to differ. We not only think you are smart enough, but with our help, you will complete your high school diploma. The New Heights Educational Group strives to improve your academic success through its tutoring services. To learn more, please visit newheightseducation.org and contact us. New Heights Educational Group, educational resources to help reach your goals. So today we are definitely talking about mental illness and the difficulties that people with mental illness face as far as the ongoing stigma um, with regards to mental illness. There is still, even though... Let me start again. Even though uh, much has been learned about the various forms of mental illness um, since early times, like the 1800s, there is still a stigma attached to that. So I'm going to go over, you know, what it was back then and what it is now. Um, And that will dovetail into some of the other things I want to talk about coming up here in the next few episodes. So basically, mental illness has been around since there have been people, uh, presumably. I mean, we have no records from Paleolithic times, but um, every, you know, ever since we've had written records, let's put it that way. Um, Once we started getting into an age where uh, religion played a huge part in our society, um, mental illness was often thought of as a punishment from God or possession by demons, that sort of thing. Um, And people could be burned at the stakes 
at the stake for this. They could be killed um, because they, you know, the prevailing attitude was that if you're possessed by demons, there's not much that can be done. Um, so in the Middle Ages, mental health issues were considered to be a punishment, as I said. Um, they, again, you could be killed or you could just be changed chained to walls or beds um and and i don't think that there were any facilities at that time in the middle ages but basically oh maybe they'd put you in jail and chain you to the wall um that's again because they have you know this real misunderstanding and fear of mental illness in general um victorian era this is where things started to change. Um, the Victoria Victorian era still dealt with um, mental illnesses pretty harshly. Um, you were either cared more cared for by your family. Or if your family couldn't care for you, you were sent to an institution. Um, something like Bedlam, which um, does have a very, very um, negative reputation. It's probably the hospital that you hear the most about from the Victorian age. Um, or if your family, for whatever reason, can't take care of you or you lose family, um, a lot of people with mental illness ended up on the streets just being homeless or in workhouses. Um, really mentally ill people were considered um, among the lowest levels of the population. So... However, as I mentioned, there were there was a change in attitude. Slowly but surely, um, civil rights activists in the Victorian age started bringing up um, items like you know these people need more humane care. They need cleaner hospitals. They need a better way of dealing with their illnesses other than restraints. Um, and some of these people have had been able to pass um, legislation through the English parliament. Um, again, it, it, it was all right. Um, not the greatest, you know, the, not the most, quote-unquote woke response um institutions were still pretty heavily um you know heavily regulated as far as people were still kind of chained to the walls they it was still pretty horrible um the justification for restraining people to their beds um or the wall was that it would stop a person from acting out um, or using lewd behavior, um, hurting themselves or others. Um, again, the, the, the idea of a punishment from God was still prevalent in this era, um, although things were starting to change, as I said. Um, so 
asylums were, um, there was a law passed where asylums had to be monitored by the government and, ex- and inspected by the government. Um, however, you know, minor improvements, but baby steps. So that's kind of the basic history of stigma as far as mental illness goes. I can't go into it all because we have a short podcast, but, um, so what are the sources of stigma today? You would think that we are living in a more enlightened age and in some regards we are certainly we don't chain people to walls anymore. However, that being said, there are other ways um, stigma can get out into the pub- public and be demonstrated in a more um, insidious way. Um, one of these is the media. The media does this two ways, and I don't, in some cases, I don't believe it's intentional, but it is the way it is. The media um, will illustrate mental illness in the extremes in fiction. Uh, Look at something like One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest or um, Fatal Attraction. Fatal Attraction, um, my understanding is that uh, the Alex character has some sort of borderline personality disorder and that is treated as it, is it, you know, she's violent, she's crazy, she's, you know, and it seems to be for a long time, um, even, you know, the eighties on forward, that was the only real depiction of mental illness. Um, you know, the Alex character was a little more, um, flamboyant, I guess, or, or aggressive. I would say though, that um, another take on it would be um, Single White Female. Again, that's another um, movie that came out, I think, early 90s, um, where a woman is terrorized by another woman who basically wants to take over her life. That shows a more calculating image of mental illness, but I think it pretty much um, boils down to the same thing. So we're going to take a quick break. When we get back, I will be talking about the media and how the news portrays mental illness. This podcast is brought to you by Silicon Valley High School, the world's fastest growing video-based, self-paced, teacher-supported, fully accredited online school that's recommended by more than 96% of students. Take individual courses at just $95 each or earn your high school diploma at any age. Check us out at svhs.co. Welcome back to the New Heights Show on education. Last segment, I was discussing how the media today portrays mental illness, um, even though we are much farther along in our understanding of mental illness than we were in the Victorian era. Um, We still tend to portray mental illness in the extremes um, and as either dangerous or 
manipulative, um, which isn't the case, of course. Um, now I wanted to speak about mental illness in the news. Um, this has come up a lot because of the um, the rash of of school shootings we've had, uh, multiple shootings. Um, and a lot of it comes up as far as the news is concerned. They'll say, oh, well, this person was mentally ill. That's why he did this. Uh, um, yeah, that's a, a more complicated thing. Um, news anchors and reporters may not be wrong about that, but I think that they need to be more cautious about how they report on these things um, because it really does end up painting a mentally ill individual who, um, as somebody who is instinctively violent. Um, and, you know, for, for a fact, I know that there is a stigma out there um, where people assume that uh, mentally ill automatically automatically equals you're a violent person, you are a danger to society. That's not the case. Um, I'm not going to say mental Ill illness does not play a role in mass violence such as we're seeing now. Um, but I think that overall the media and society in general needs to treat that subject with more sensitivity um, for, you know, it, it seems that I shouldn't have to say this, but I'll say it anyway. Not all mentally ill people are violent. Not all, uh, you know, pick a diagnosis here, schizophrenia, bipolar, um, you know, borderline personality disorder. Not all, not all people who have a specific disorder are violent. Um, there are many, many circumstances that go into factoring or that factor into why somebody acts out. Um, it's, you know, it could be the, the environment that they're in, the uh, current medication they're taking, if they're taking their medication, um, if they're taking their medication correctly. I'm not saying this to um, exonerate the people who have committed these mass shootings. Obviously, that's horrific and should have never happened. And uh, there is, of course, a lot of discussion on how to handle um, guns and the mentally ill going forward. Um, but I don't think the stigma of branding a mentally ill person as automatically violent or antisocial is going to help anything. Um, in fact, it may make things worse. There also have been instances where mentally ill individuals have not been treated as well 
by the police, whether that has to do with a preconceived notion, again, of mentally ill people automatically being violent is, is a consideration. Um, but yeah, this, this has hurt, um, the, the mentally ill population. Um, it's, it's a scale and it's all about the severity. Um, so, Mental health is just another, it could be like any other disease. It could be like diabetes. It just depends on how well-maintained it is, which is why it's so important to reach out and get help if you feel that you are in a situation where you are having depression or anxiety or any of a number of um, mental issues um, because just because you have this disorder this um, just because there's something wrong uh, no just because there's a physical reason something in your brain that doesn't connect up right that changes um, your reactions, you know, makes, makes the illness, um, creates the illness. Basically it's really no different than something like diabetes, um, which again, um, people monitor that all the time. And I actually live for a day in which mental illness is treated in that way as it's diabetes is not, um, something to be ashamed about. It's something to be managed. So another group of people, surprisingly, that where you may encounter stigma as a mentally ill person is our healthcare professionals. You wouldn't think so, right? Um, I think that I, gen I genuinely go into any professional's office believing that they have my best interests at heart. However, we don't know a lot about the brain and mental illness and how it works within the brain. Um, so uh, psychiatry and psychology are very touchy. It's, it's a very fluid um, practice, I would say. Um, mental health professionals are human beings. Um, some people have a preconceived notion going in about schizophrenia, for example. Um, you, you know, unfortunately they see the same media we do, you know, even if they do go through schooling, I mean, their biases and prejudices can hang on pretty hard, even if you don't know you have them. I know people, I know of professionals who won't deal with people with borderline personality disorder because it takes a long time in treatment. And those people with uh, BPD tend to not respond well to treatment 
to begin with or not follow directions um, as well. Um, not following your provider's <laughs> um, regimen is another thing. Um, I know healthcare professionals, bless their hearts, do get upset about that. And it may cause some healthcare professionals to sour on certain types of patients. Like I mentioned, the, um, by, you know, the borderline personality disorder folks. Um, and that's because, you know, it's very hard for them to follow a routine. Um, the reason I wanted to kind of bring the idea of stigma up is that going forward, I will be having a series regarding the opioid epidemic, which is connected to mental health. It's connected to chronic pain and there is a large stigma around it. So I wanted to introduce this subject before um, going straight into something as large as um, prescription pill um, addiction. So the last um, group of people that I can see um, that call, you know react to stigma are the public, basically. Everybody has an opinion. And again, they see these very, very severe cases of mental illness, the um, school shooters, the people that, you know, commit suicide, unfortunately, in a very public way, um, the people who commit crimes while um, off their medications or such. Again... In the scheme of things, these things are actually very rare. The mental health, the mental ill, the community of the mentally ill, I would say that not definitely not all of them act this way. Not all of them have conditions so severe that they are required um, to be institutionalized or a threat to themselves or others. Um, there's also some internalized stigma that goes on within a mentally ill person. They, they, we see these things. We see these, um, portrayals in media. We see the school shootings. We see, um, or hear um, things our friends or our coworkers say about mentally ill people and it affects us, you know, and we ourselves can be, develop a stigma against our own illnesses and say, well, I'm, you know, mentally ill. I, I, I'm not as good as other people. And that unfortunately can, especially if you have something like depression or anxiety can feed into that. Um, like I said, it's really unfortunate, um, again, but that, that's just showing you that stigma really permeates every level of society. Um, I think that it's something worth remembering. Um, it's a huge issue. Um, and it's more or less a 
unspoken issue unless you're in sociology in which case yes they do they do do a lot of research on stigma and how it affects different populations um but again i'm bringing it up here because i don't in the because we do know so much about mental health and we have come so far i think that there is a tendency to forget that there is still biases um, against the mentally ill community. And we really need to take a look at that and discover ways to combat that um, moving forward. So as I mentioned, I will be heading toward a short series on the opioid epidemic um, which again has various stigmas attached to it. Um, it's not just going to be one episode. I think there's just too much going on and too many, too many things involved in the crisis that I don't think it can be covered in one episode. Um, it may not all be covered in two episodes. It is a very large problem in the U.S. today. Um, and I don't, I'm not sure how we are going to fix it. Um, but I think it's worth understanding and knowing where this came from and where we are now and where we might be going in the future with this. Um, I hope you enjoy that. So... Again, join me next week and I will, we will be talking about the opioid crisis in the United States. Have a great week, guys. We hope you enjoyed today's show. Don't forget to rate us and follow us on your podcast player. Check out our show page, radio.newheightseducation.org for monthly announcements and other happenings. Texting privacy policy in terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting enrolls for recurring automated text marketing messages. Message and data rates may apply. Reply. Stop. 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 The pandemic has been hard on all our kids. New studies show more than one in three children who started school in the pandemic now need intensive reading help. Here's the good news. Your child can be reading in just 30 days, guaranteed, with Hooked on Phonics. My first grader was behind in reading, and this program has made a huge difference. She's now reading above grade level. I use it for my kids' nightly reading for school. We love it, and it's super easy and quick to do. My kid, who just turned four years old and has been using the program since January of this year, can now read read. Thank you so much, Hooked on Phonics. Even if your child has been struggling, Hooked on Phonics will teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. And right now, you can get started for just $1. Text the word KID to 323232 right now. It's fast and easy. Text KID to 323232 and teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. Text the word KID to 323232. Text KID to 323232.